Our scripture passage this morning is Matthew 16, verse 21 through 27. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As you take your seat, um, grab a Bible, turn to Matthew 16, where Brandy was just reading for us. And as you do that, I want us to pray together. Our great God, this day we long to hear from you, and we long for what you have spoken to shape us. change our thinking, to change our acting, and dare I say, Lord, even to change how we feel. Oh God, your word is truth, and nothing stands above it. Now we know for these things to happen, oh God, we need your spirit to move and work. So, Spirit of God, would you help us to hear your word and receive it? Lord, I pray today that you would shape our vision of who Jesus is such that we would follow him and walk in his ways. So God, we're asking you to accomplish great things today. Would you please do them? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, friends, it is so good to see you all this morning. As I said, if you haven't turned over to Matthew 16, please do so now. At Redeemer, we are studying our way through uh, the book of Matthew and in our study of the book of Matthew, we're in, we've come to this passage today. I wish I could tell you we planned it this way a year ago to have it right here on Holy Week. We didn't, but here we are, and it's good, so we accept that. Um, now, if you're new to the Bible, we're a little bit out of order in timeline, and so I just want to lay that out for you. Austin said earlier, churches around the world today are celebrating Palm Sunday, which is remembering when Jesus physically came into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, and celebrated as the coming king. Now, this passage 
that we're in is chronologically earlier. So we're chronologically earlier. This is Jesus telling his disciples, I've got to go to Jerusalem. Now, the irony of the passage is if he just would have said, hey, we're going to Jerusalem, they would have said, that's right, and I'm going with you because we're taking that place over. But instead, Jesus says, we're going to Jerusalem, and there I will die and be denied by my people. And so with that, Jesus here is, is reshaping, not his mission, it's unchanging, but reshaping the understanding of who he is and what his mission is and what is coming. And then calling upon his disciples to follow him. And and follow me is not some abstract hypothetical so that we can publish Sunday school curriculum about what it means to be a disciple. But rather follow me here is we're going to Jerusalem. Will you go with me? We're going to my death. Go with me. We're going to carry out the will of the Father. Go with me. The main point of this passage is Jesus wants his disciples to know he is headed to death in Jerusalem. And this death is a good thing. Jesus is headed to death in Jerusalem and this death is a good thing. Now let's look at the passage and see how it lays this point out. First point, if you want to take notes, to Jerusalem. Now, just before this, what is recorded for us is this story of great crescendo. Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered him and said, you're right, Blessed are you. My father has revealed this and I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's right. This is good. He's here. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem And suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day be raised. So Jesus' message to his disciples is you have to remember something vital. You have to remember something vital. And one thing that really struck me this week was the wording here. Jesus began to show his disciples. Jesus began to show his disciples, meaning he began to give a fuller revelation, but he is patiently showing them what will come. And here's what will come. We're going to go to Jerusalem. Now, this was the expected part. Messiah, Jerusalem, king, reign, victory. That was the expected part. Could have stopped his message right there, and he could have won a popularity contest of the ages right there. 
But in Jerusalem, he's going to suffer many things, be killed, and on the third day be raised. Even that, I believe, could have been comprehended. Okay, there's going to be a, a small setback, but in the end, he's going to win. But I think it's this part that was most tripping for the disciples. He would, be, he would suffer and die at the hand of the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, meaning the leaders of Israel, the leaders of God's people who are supposed to be longing for this coming king, would not only miss who Jesus is, they would reject him and they would murder him. They would do away with him. So notice now what Jesus is saying to his disciples. You're right. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one. But my path is a trip to Jerusalem marked by rejection, marked by being called an enemy of God, marked by torture and suffering, marked by death, marked by burial, marked by days of agony. That's what's coming before the third day when I rise from the dead. You see what Jesus is mapping out here? What he's mapping out here is my purpose is to die. And in dying, my work will be carried out. My purpose is to die. And in dying, the kingdom that you long for will be built, but just not in the way that you thought it would be built. My purpose is to die, and in dying I will be the true king of the Jews who brings the blessing of Abraham to all the nations, but it will not happen just in the way that you thought it would happen. And then we get Peter, verse 22. If you study the original languages, the word Peter sounds a lot like the word rock. I think Peter should have been named something that sound a lot like the first to speak too quickly. Peter pulls Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him. Now, this is just a little aside. It's free life advice. When you come to a point where you feel the need to pull Jesus aside and begin to rebuke him, just sit on that for a couple days. <laughs> like, let's just stop our mouths and let's pause. Okay. Peter, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Now, let's give Peter the benefit of the doubt. Here's what Peter meant. You really are the Christ. I mean, I told you yesterday, and that was great. You said I was blessed by the Father. You can't die. That's not how the story's supposed to go. 
So, hey, Jesus, I just want to remind you, you're forgetting some stuff. And then Jesus responds in this very kind, gentle, uh, safe, uh, therapy-friendly kind of way. By the way, I'm pro-therapy and safety and kindness and gentleness. But Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. Jesus is saying, Peter, in this moment, you are actually serving the work of Satan rather than the work of God. Now, he didn't say Peter was satanic. He didn't say Peter was um, filled with some kind of imposter spirit. He didn't say anything except this. In this moment, you're not following me. You're not following the will of the Lord. You're furthering the work of that which is against God. You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, Jesus' response to Peter, I believe the intensity matches the severity. Jesus knew that without death, there would not be a defeat of sin. Jesus knew without death and without resurrection, his work of establishing a kingdom that lasts forever could not be done. Jesus knew that what Peter was articulating sounded better, but it was abject failure. Jesus knew this path of straight victory possibly could have been accomplished, but the quick earthly victory would have been an eternal defeat. Jesus knew these things, and he rebukes Peter. And he does so in a way, I believe, to map out for all who hear, including us today, his death was integral to his work. His work could not be accomplished without his death death, and resurrection. Jesus knew that without death, without resurrection, the work of God to undo the brokenness of the world would not be accomplished. Jesus knew the path to life flowed through his own death. Jesus knew the path to undoing sin flowed through his own death. Jesus knew the path to eternal justice met with eternal mercy flowed through his own death. Therefore, he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. This is where we're going. So these words, they map out a few vitally important realities for us. Number one, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus was always plan A, and there was no plan B. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus were vitally important for 
the, were necessary and could not be skipped to accomplish his mission of establishing God's kingdom that would last forever. And when Jesus rebukes Peter and calls him Satan, Jesus is telling us that what's taking place in his death, burial, and resurrection is not a um, mere local battle for power, but it's a cosmic battle to right all the wrongs in the world and to establish God's plan that would last forever, to undo the garden, to undo sin, to undo death, and to loosen the bondage of all the things that sin and death have brought since the very beginning. Jesus is saying to Peter, don't you go against the plans of God. Don't you go against the plans of God. We're going to Jerusalem. So friends, this is my favorite week of the year. I love what we celebrate during Holy Week. I love the story of Palm Sunday. I love the story of the Last Supper. I love the story of Good Friday. I love that we get a day off next Saturday. I love the story of the resurrection. Love it. But as we walk through the story this week, I am often prone to think, well, it, it didn't really have to go that way. I'm often prone to read it and be like, well, you know, Jesus, you could have said this instead of that, and it might not have ended where it ended. Don't do that. Read it like this. Jesus knew what was mapped out for him. He knew what the Lord, the, the Father sent him to do. And he faced it. And he faced it for his glory and honor. He faced it for our redemption. He faced it that we would be called sons of God. So if you're visiting Redeemer today and kind of exploring Christianity and you're wondering, well, why, do, why do these people always have to talk about sin? Well, because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And what's being offered this morning and this week and in the life of Jesus is the most Thorough, most true, most real explanation of the world that we live in. It's fallen and it's broken. And everywhere we look and we see death and we see sin and we see guilt and we see shame and we see fear and we look and we look and we look and we say, what? 
is wrong with the world and the Bible gives us an answer. It's fallen and it gives us a hope. Jesus has defeated all of that. He's put it all back together. Come to him and experience the hope of forgiveness, the hope of mercy, the hope of justice in him. So I'm just pleading with you to consider Jesus today. Just pleading with you to consider Jesus today. And I would love to help you consider him more. Now, this sermon could end right here, but it goes a step further. It's our second point. Going with me? Question mark. So Jesus rebukes Peter. Then, verse 24, he told his disciples If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, just to be really clear, I believe that this is a very simple biblical description of what it means to be a Christ follower. Deny yourself. Embrace the hardship. Go with Jesus. We should also notice that this wasn't an abstract teaching for them. Hey, I'm going to Jerusalem, and there I'm going to die, and there the religious leaders are going to turn against me. I'm going to rise on the third day, but hey, you want to go to Jerusalem with me? Let's go together. To follow Jesus is to go with him where he is going. And to recognize that with him, we will be eternally safe. With him, everything we lose in this life may be gained in the life to come. And with him, we will have everything that this world fails to give us. Just listen. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Question? What profit is it to you if everything that you're striving after costs you your relationship with the Lord? Or what shall it give him, or what shall a man give in return for his soul? That's just a great diagnostic question for us. Are these things causing me to forfeit Christ and following him? Verse 27 For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. So here comes this gospel hope and this gospel promise. We're going to Jerusalem. I'll die. I'll rise again. And then there will be a moment where I'm coming back with the angels and all the glory. And my disciples will experience the glory and will see that it is worth it. Will find great joy and hope in me. All the wrongs will be righted. All the suffering 
will be validated. All the hardship will be seen to have been worth it. And all the enemies will be put under my feet. Jesus says, come, follow me. This is the point that often gets lost. To follow Jesus is not to get an easy life. It's to get Christ in your hard life. To follow Jesus is not to have all the breaks go your way. It's to have Christ to give you peace no matter how life breaks for you or against you. To follow Christ is not to be perfectly happy all the time, but to follow Christ is to have confidence that he is with you all the time. Let's go to Jerusalem. I guess for us that's metaphorical. Let's go with Christ down the hard path. Let's take up our hardship and let's deny our self-wanting so that we may follow him. So where might Jesus call us to follow him? Always toward the cross. Always for the glory of the Father. Always to build the kingdom. Always to redeem those who are far from him. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Our question today, do I follow Christ like this? Am I willing to follow Christ like this? What prevents me from following Christ like this? So now our Lord and our God, we pray you would take these words and as much as they're true and right and good, we pray you would cause us to believe them and cause us to walk in them. Amen.